Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. Hello, I'm back again today. This is an interesting episode because somehow it has been two years since we launched this podcast. I don't know how that's possible. (laughs) Time has flown, but that is true. I know it because, well, at least it was two years ago this week. This episode will come out on Wednesday, which might be like, I think the third, I think today that you're listening, if you're listening to this live, it will be February 3rd and the podcast launched at some point this week, whatever. I can't remember if I always put them out on Wednesdays or not. At the beginning, I may not have. I know that I launched this because I launched it the week of my birthday and my birthday is February 5th. So can't remember if it came out exactly on the 5th or right around then. Of course, like the podcast has to be like approved by like Apple and like put up and whatnot. So I can't remember if I put it up a couple of days before thinking it might take longer or if it went up a couple of days after, or if it really did go up right on that day. I feel like I did like make the actual launch announcements on the fifth last year. So it didn't work out this year because I just, I always put them out on Wednesdays. So it's a couple of days earlier, but still two year, this is officially the two year episode. So if you listened from the beginning. Thank you so much for sticking around for the last two years. If you found us some time along the way, then I'm glad you did. And thank you for listening for however long you have been. But I really can't believe it's been two years. It's gone by really fast. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. I don't know. It's just always kind of been so nice to get to talk to the people that I get to talk to for this. Such a good excuse to like reach out to people or get to set up a conversation with someone who I would otherwise never have talked to, probably never have met and get to just ask them all about their business. So it's super fun. And then the solo ones where I just kind of blab on here by myself. I mean, I don't know, they're they're fun for me too. So (laughs) hopefully they're fun for you too. But what I wanted to do something a little bit different than either of those, you know, of our regular two different types of episodes today as a anniversary episode. Um, I think I did something similar last year too um, for the one year anniversary, but it's more of a Q&A type episode. And I gathered some questions that people have asked in the recent days and weeks. I had you know, put it out there that I was going to do this kind of episode. And so people submitted some questions that they had. And I said, it could be about anything They can be about, you know, PR and our work, my agency, or it could be more personal. It could be about this podcast or the magazine we've launched or anything related to work or life or whatever. So we have a a little variety here. I'm going to just kind of go through them one by one. I think, um, no particular order. Um, this is just the way that they got <laughs> copied and pasted down onto my document. And I just tried to not make anything too redundant. I think I don't think any of them really were like the same question. So if anything seems like it is, I will try to skip it. But otherwise, this is everything that it, these are just like the ones that I have here to answer. So 
The first one is someone said, I'd love to know what you do when you find your creativity feels blocked. What do you do that helps you get those ideas flowing again? That's a good question. I love to hear what other people say for these types of things. I think that if I'm not feeling creative or like I need to come up with good ideas, the best thing for me, and I hate to say this because it's not like I'm not one of those people, but actually like exercising, (laughs) um, taking a break in general, I think, I mean, even though it sounds a little counterintuitive, but like I find I cannot force creativity. If I'm trying to think like, I cannot force like coming up with a good idea or like thinking of something new. If I'm trying to think of like something to do for a client or like a new way to get something out there. Um, or if I'm like writing something and I'm just not feeling like that creative with it, I just really need to step away from it and take some time off from it. And usually for me, especially now that means like hopping on the Peloton for a little while and doing a little spin ride. Again, I'm not like a person who enjoys exercise. Like I'm not someone who's like, oh yeah, I love to like go for a run in the morning to get invigorated. So I'm surprised to hear myself say that, but I do, I have always found that like doing something like that really does help get the ideas coming back. I always think of more things like when I am exercising, like going for a walk or going for a run, which I mean, I admittedly have not done in years, but I used to (laughs) sometimes. Um, and that's when I would get really good thoughts, like just like fresh thoughts, thinking about things in different ways. Things will just like pop into your head, I think, because you're not trying to think about something. So that's something that's always been really good for, for me. And then the only other thing I would say too, is just like, you know, if you're not feeling in the mood for exercise or something in terms of just like taking any kind of break. Like I like to just read a book for a little while. Cause I think that's the only other way that I can really actually like shut off my mind for a little bit. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing, right? When you're not trying to think about something, then like things do pop into my head when I'm reading. I can't read a book for very long in a row because as soon as I start to read, I, I do think of all the things that I've meant to do or like need to do or want to do and, or come up with ideas. So that helps too. Okay. The next one is when you built your team, how did you decide what position needed to be filled first? For me, when I first started hiring someone, well, let's back up for a minute. Before I ever made an official hire, I had intern. I'd, I'd had interns for like probably a couple of years. I mean, yeah, I've had interns. I don't remember when I got the, I had my first intern, but I've had interns for a long time. Like I would say probably in the first couple of years of having my business, it was something I was kind of used to at other places I'd worked. I'd been in charge of interns, always like had interns helping us and working with us. It's very common in PR agencies. I'm sure any kind of, kind of like marketing agency, there's always like people interning. So I was very used to that. And I had like, usually I always had one, like each semester, I mean, not every single semester, but I always had like one person. So they would do, you know, like anything that's like research or, you know, even drafting first drafts of content for clients, like draft a press release or draft a a blog post. If we were doing that kind of content or, draft a pitch email. So anything that's kind of like the first stage of a, of a project, I guess, like drafting something or the research stage or kind of compiling things after the fact, like, oh, do we need to put together a report, you know, of what we've done for this month or what results we got for this client for this project? 
or just kind of even keeping an eye on things with, with PR, you have to always kind of have a sense of what's going on, see what is being written about in different publications, either about, so, you know, your client's competitors or certain topic, or even searching for your own client, because sometimes people will publish something without actually telling you that they are doing so. Um, so those kinds of things are things that interns would do. So that being said, when I went to actually like hire someone, the position I was basically, I was in a position where I was like, I just need another one of me, which I feel like is where a lot of people are when they are, you know, a solopreneur or whatever, you know, when you're like a team of one and then it's like, I have more to do than I can do, but I just really need like twice as many hours for myself, like all the things that I do. So I really was looking for that. I was like, it wasn't so much like, what can I kind of delegate that are the things that I don't need to do? It was more who could help me do the things that I am doing. So the position was basically like an assistant account manager, which again, like that's very common in a PR agency. It's very common like structure for an agency is to basically have somebody who's like the assistant to the account manager. (laughs) And they do all the same things essentially. But again, kind of similar to the intern, it's like they're kind of doing the first stage of things. I kind of needed someone who was a little bit more than that, almost more like an an account manager, because I really did want them to be able to do almost all the same things I do. Um, I was like a little, it definitely took me time to have somebody actually interact with clients the same way that I do. So I would say that was like the kind of differentiator that still kept me as more of like the account manager. And yeah, and that's the same thing now that my current account manager is is not the same first person I hired, but um, now we have an account manager and an assistant account manager. So it's really just people who are extra hands for me and doing really all the same things that I was doing and, and yeah, all the same things that we needed to do to, to really handle everything for the day-to-day work on the, for the clients. The next one is, I don't know if you want to talk about this because it's stressful, but what's it like balancing running a business and being a mom during the pandemic? That's actually a really good segue from the last question, believe it or not. I mean, it's stressful, but it's not stressful. I mean, it's like important. I think it is important to talk about. It has been really stressful just to like do everything more so because we're all at home so much now. It's a lot harder to work at home with young children as anybody who has been doing it knows. I will say that honestly, for me, it's a lot like almost going back to the beginning of my business, like back to like a couple of years ago when we were more so just getting started at that time. I would say it was a lot easier to work at home with my son when he was a baby, even though that felt really hard at the time too, because I used to work at home when he was a baby at first too. And it was hard because he seems like he needed me a lot. But now I guess it's less that he needs me and more that he, I mean, he still needs me, but it's more that he'll be noisy about it if he wants me. It's more that he actually like is disruptive. But But what I'm saying is going back to like that time in my life and the business, it was a lot less structured, I guess, a lot less like organized the way that I would want it to be or the way that I would like that you would maybe think that you would want it to be. And a lot more of like, when is he going to be sleeping? When When can I get things done when it's quiet? And that becomes working a lot at night or 
trying to get up early in the morning before your family wakes up to get stuff done. For me, that hardly ever works. He has some kind of radar. I don't know. No matter what time I wake up, he will get up two minutes afterwards. I don't care if I try to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to get things done. He will wake up at four or five when normally he would sleep until like eight 30. But it's so, yeah, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of just staying really flexible and figuring out when I can find him to do things and staying really organized in terms of knowing what needs to get done and what is important to work on that day. What needs to be completed this day? What does somebody need from me at which time? So that when I have pockets of time or when I basically, when I plan to work, I can start with those things and know that those things are going to get done because I'll do them first. And so that if something does come up later, if I do need to get pulled away or I get distracted or, you know, whatever else happens, at least those things will happen. Or if I end up with 10 minutes where for whatever reason, during a time that I wasn't planning to work, I do have some quiet time. Or if, you know, I have more time in the evening than I expected and I can get some work done at night, like which things do I, like, what is my, I already have a list, right? So I already know like, what do I need to, what could I do? What do I need to do? So it's not like I'm sitting there like, oh wait, I have some time to do something, but like, I can't really get into the mode or like, I need to like now get organized to think about where to start. It's like, I can always jump into something that can and should get done. So it's kind of like always having those things going on in my mind and like on lists on paper. And that's very much how I was doing things when he was very little too. And when it was just me running the business, I was the only one like doing stuff. So that was very similar, but there are also major differences, major, major differences. And that's also what I said was, this is a good segue from the last question because what has made it totally different is that I do have a team in place now and there are other people actually doing the work for clients, which is so huge. So, I mean, I almost feel like it's, well, it's so much easier. I mean, it's still really, it's still stressful. There's still a lot to be done. Running a business is still a lot different and like a lot more in some ways than actually just like doing work, but it's a lot less stressful in some ways, just knowing that I have other people to rely on. So yeah, what's it like? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's stressful and it's tiring. And I have been drinking a lot more wine than I ever have in the past. (laughs) I like feel like I need to relax by the end of the day in a way that I've never had before. But I'm also so grateful that I still have a lot of work to do and that I can stay home so much and that I could keep my son home and all of those things. And in a lot of ways, I'm actually really loving this time. And I feel like it's hard to say. I feel like it's one of those things you won't, I feel bad saying it in many, in many ways, but I'm so grateful that my son is at this age. He was, he just turned six, like two weeks ago. So he was five for most of last year and now six. And he still, he just loves being at home. You know, he definitely gets upset that I am working so much. He thinks I'm working all the time, which I don't feel is the case, (laughs) but he does say he's upset by that. But I think that in the long run, he's going to realize like we were at home all the time so much. And like, you know, when I wanted pancakes at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, like we were able to do that. So I think he's actually really liking it. And I also love being home and I love to get to be with him so much. So 
there are things that are definitely really nice, but I do think I've also been the most prepared for it. As I said, from like starting my business when I was young and working elsewhere and then, you know, having the baby after like, I guess I'd probably had the business for like a year or two. Um, I'm just very used to like doing the work whenever and however it has to get done. And I think that's really what's made it be successful. And so it's kind of just reverting back to that. But then again, also with much more support on the business side, which is great. Okay. The next question is, I'm interested in how you started branching out to more things, the podcast and the magazine, et cetera. What made you expand? How did you start? How do you stay organized? And what are you excited about next? Okay. That's a multi-part question. I will kind of go down the list. So I started branching out to more things um, with the podcast. It felt kind of like a natural thing to do. I had started, if you've heard episodes of this podcast, I've told this story before, but I started a local like networking, like in-person get together group for like, let's meet for coffee for female millennial entrepreneurs in Boston, because I didn't know of any really. And back in those days, I already alluded to when I first started the business and I just didn't know anybody else who was in business and no one else my age who had their own business. And I was working from home, as I said, back then. And was just always by myself. Actually, it wasn't that different from now, (laughs) except for I was like actually by myself, not with a five or six year old. Um, But I started this group for like, let's get together monthly to just like hang out and like talk about business and anything else. So I really loved that. And I like wished that there was a way for everybody to experience that. So that's where the idea of the podcast came from. I wanted to basically like expand those conversations and put them out for other people to listen to, because I know not everybody has that. And I know it's not always possible to start that. I mean, I live in Boston, which is a pretty major city. And like, even still, it took kind of like a really long time for it to get off the ground. And even, you know, even in a city like that, it's like sometimes five people come, literally sometimes one person would come for, especially for the very long, a very long time at the beginning, like one or two people would come. And I was like, if it's this hard to get people together in Boston, like imagine people who live like in the middle of nowhere. So I wanted to expand it. And then I wanted to just like kind of have a way also to share like, like the, what I do on the solo episodes, share just like PR tips and just like business things that I've picked up along the way. And those kind of like informational tidbits that I thought could be helpful for people. Cause I had people asking me things like that a lot and I had people asking me for like PR advice, but you know, they didn't want to hire an agency. So I had started putting together all these resources and stuff too, more like the DIY PR stuff, which is where the resources now on the website came from and like the whole idea for my DIY PR course. But I wanted a way to just like share more of that and put that more out there. So that's why I started the podcast. And then the magazine came much later, almost two years later, because that just launched. And as we know, the podcast is now two years old. And that just kind of came from wanting partly a chance to expand, uh, almost expand on the podcast because I can only do so many interviews a month. And there's always so many people who are reaching out to want to be on it. So it's like, how can we showcase more people? Okay. If it's something that's like written, that would be a little bit easier. And also as a PR agency, we're always researching new or different places to get our clients showcased. And 
it's almost interesting how hard it is to find many very good outlets that really will showcase businesses like a lot of the ones that we're showcasing, just like small women-owned businesses, like people who are doing really cool, amazing things, but you know, it's just hard, but you just need to get your story shared more. And so, you know, from a PR standpoint, we're always looking for that. That's something that we always want for our clients and also just felt like a natural kind of addition to the things we were already doing with the work we're doing with female entrepreneurs in like the networking group and with the podcast. So I was like, I honestly don't remember like where the idea first came from. I was thinking about it for a while before we made it happen. But I think that's really where it came from. It was just like, we always wish there were more, more like outlets like this for our clients. And it was just kind of like, well, why don't we just make one? I feel like that's like where everything I do comes from. Like, I can't find this or I wish there was that. And like, I guess I just have to make it. <laughs> so I've also always had wanted to work for a magazine. I love, I've always loved magazines. I always thought I might work for a magazine or like be a writer or journalist when I was younger. And that didn't happen. I ended up obviously studying PR instead, kind of because at that time, everybody was like, oh, journalism, it's like dead. Print is dead. There's going to be no magazines, no newspapers. Nobody's going to print anything anymore. So, which obviously ended up not being the case. I'm kind of annoyed, but I didn't obviously end up doing that, but I've always been like really intrigued by it. So it was kind of like one of those things too, that just always seemed like such a fun project to do. So that's really why we did it. So that's, yeah, I guess that's covering like what made you expand. How did you start with like, with branching out with things? I don't know. I just kind of start again. That's kind of how I always do everything. (laughs) I'm just like, I think about it for a while or like if, if it's an idea that keeps coming up or a thought that keeps coming up, then I'm like, okay, this means something, right? Like if I keep thinking about this, it's just something I have to do. And then I just like tell people I'm going to do it basically. <laughs> and so then I have to, and then I just kind of figure it out step-by-step step along the way. I think I listened to a couple podcasts on how to start a podcast and then like Googled like softwares to use and equipment to buy. And I just bought the microphone and started. And then for the magazine, I mean, I started by telling people I was going to do it, reached out to some people to say like, this is something I'm doing. Would you be interested in like submitting an article? Because I wanted to make sure we had a lot of content at the beginning, reached out to some people who had been on the podcast and asked if they would want to do something like an article or an interview, things like that, just to start getting content going. And we happened to be redoing the website. And again, now I can't quite remember, but we were, I was already, I had been planning to do the rebrand on the website for a while. And I feel like the magazine, it just felt like it fell into place to kind of build that into the new website for the online version. So it just kind of worked out to do everything all at once, like all around the same time. I wanted to have launched the magazine sooner, but the website took longer than I wanted to and not, not because of their fault, but like the company that I wanted to use for the website. They're like really amazing. And they were booked up. Like we couldn't, I couldn't get in kind of like my time to start until like later in the summer Then I had been wanting to start redoing the website and the rebrand like earlier in this, I guess it was like late spring, early summer, but like they couldn't start doing our project until the end of the summer. And then because it was kind of a big project, we had like more pieces to the website than the websites they usually do. So it ended up, I think it was almost an extra like month off of like what their normal project would have been. 
And thank God they were amazing at like sticking to timelines and like (laughs) making everything happen exactly when it was supposed to. So at least I knew what to expect. That was not their fault. But um, yeah, I wanted to kind of at least launch the online version of the magazine sooner just because I was excited and impatient, but it kind of all had to follow the same timeline. How do I stay organized? A lot of lists. I have multiple, multiple lists, and sometimes they have to be on paper. And I try to do as much on the computer or my phone as possible because then I have it with me all the time. Um, but I do also sometimes need to have like a paper list of like what I'm doing. I do always have a paper planner. I use like a calendar planner for the month and then it has the weeks and then it has the days. So I like write everything down so many times, but that really helps me like remember it and stay on track because I have a sense of what am I doing for the month? And actually the one I've been using for a while now too, is actually a 90 day planner. And so it actually is, what am I going to do for the quarter? And then what do I do for the month based on those things? And then each week has a weekly overview. So I go from like the quarter and the month plans and write out what's going to actually happen this week in order to make sure those plans are going to stay on track and then put things in for the day. So I have a lot of things written down a lot of times, basically. Um, And then like on the client side, we have monthly plans for clients. So we know in advance, like what we're going to be working on for that month. I mean, like we think about what what we want to accomplish for them that month and what that's going to look like also on a weekly basis. Like what do we need to do each week in order to make that happen? And then every week we go over everything that we're going to be doing that week for clients. So that's how we kind of stay organized there. And then at the end of the week, we kind of do a recap and go over it all again. (laughs) And that's where we're kind of like, okay, is there anything we didn't do yet? Or as I say, is there anything that you guys need from me that like I haven't like approved or signed off on or checked or offered my opinion on? And we make sure we do all that. We actually do that on Thursday afternoons so that if we end up with things that I did need to do or, or that they need to do that we didn't finish yet, or it just didn't accomplish to, you know, the extent that we wanted to, we do still have some time on Thursday afternoon or Friday morning to actually get that done. Yeah. I think mostly I would attribute it to my paper planner though, for staying organized. And then I do have like different Google sheets on all the content for like the magazine and the podcast and like the, the business, like all of my own content that I need to be thinking about. Um, and then also an individual list for like each podcast episode. And then that's a separate document and then another document for like the magazine. So very many lists and then like other lists pulling it all together. And I always tell my team, I always say, just let me know, like, I need to work off of multiple lists, but if it ever feels like I'm making you guys do something that's redundant, like, let me know because, because like, I don't want them to be like, okay, but why are we making this weekly list when we already have like this monthly list of like what we're doing? Like, I'm like, if it doesn't make sense for you guys, like we don't need to spend time doing it, but this is the way I need to look at things, but I never want to like put that on them, but they seem to work well with the same kind of basic strategies because Yeah. I feel like most of the things we've ended up sticking with, even though I do always say like, if you feel like I'm making you write this down in too many places, let me know. Um, excited about next. Oh my goodness. The only thing that I still want to do is (laughs) write a book. I've started it so many years ago and have taken so many breaks and redone it so many times. And all these other things just always pop up. 
And now I've noticed that I don't really like, I feel like there's nothing else like on my list right now. And I know that's going to change. Cause like, I'm sure I thought that a couple years ago too. And then I thought of all these new things I wanted to do, but right now that's like the only like other thing in terms of like, because this is again, still part of that question about like branching out to more things <laughs> right now. I don't have any other things in mind, but another kind of more personal project is getting this book finally done. And I've kind of changed the whole idea of it a few times. So I'm not going to give them any details because who knows. Um, but that is like the thing on my list for like a, another project this year is to actually finalize that probably by this summer. So you might hear more about it soon. I am pretty excited about it. But other than that, like I'm I'm just really excited about the clients that we're working with this year and the things that we're really getting to do right now. And just to see my team like grow and well, like build on itself, not necessarily grow the team. Like I don't know if we're going to hire more people or not. Um, but just the growth that I've seen, like in all of us in the, in the last year, couple months even, um, has been really cool. So I think I'm just really excited for that. The next question is kind of also similar actually. So let me see if we should even say it. I mean, I'll say it, but it might be things I've already just answered because I ended up, I mean, you know, me kind of going to a lot more tangents about things than you'd think. I didn't write down any notes for this beforehand, if you can tell, (laughs) but this one says your team, how you organize their tasks and decide it is easier to hand off than do yourself. She said, I have stuff I'd love to hand off, but then I say, hug may be quicker for me to just do it myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know that too. <laughs> I would say most things are quicker to do yourself, <laughs> like rather than telling someone how to do it, especially if you've always been doing it. But the thing is, if it's something that you find yourself doing a lot, then it's probably worth taking the time to make it longer one or two times to show someone else how to do it and not have to do it yourself every time. I definitely still have things that I do myself that I probably shouldn't be doing myself because I'm like, oh, it's just easier for me to do it. But I will say that again, because of the type of business, because of like what we do, like PR has such an like traditional agency structure that people are already used to. And it's so commonly done and that's for a reason. And and I'll tell you, I, I rejected it at first. I didn't think that was the way I wanted to run my business. And I didn't think I ever wanted a real agency structure, but it turns out it really is the easiest. (laughs) Like that, there's a reason. Um, I think, I mean, that's what I have found by trying different things. Like it makes so much sense to have it set up like an agency, like with the, as I said, kind of like we have like an account manager and then an assistant account manager. And then under that is interns who can help with like some of the even, you know, more basic stuff. So again, in terms of organizing their tasks and handing stuff off, it's not like I have someone who I'm like, oh, this person will do my email marketing. This person will do my social media. This person will do my accounting. Like those are all things that like are very much a back end part of the business, I guess I think. Well, actually, I mean, like right now, my amazing intern does do most of our social media. So I do kind of have somebody do that. I have no problem passing that off, but it's harder to hand off the things that are actually like running the business 
because that's something that it feels like only you can do. And I think that's why we have trouble with that because it's like, oh, I've built this business. Like I'm the only one who can do the things that really represent the business and things that really bring the business forward and help the business grow. And I am right there with you. Those things are hard to pass off, I think. But, oh, but what I was also saying is things like, you know, like an accountant, it's like, that's an outside contractor kind of thing. Like, I mean, until you bring an accountant in-house, but like all of the things that you can kind of like, those things are easier to pass off, I guess, because they're like not something that you know how to do. But on the other hand, I mean, I have pretty basic accounting type of stuff, I guess, like bookkeeping type of stuff. I still do all that myself. Anything that's like, internal for the business. I still do most of, and I think that's one thing that's made it easier for me to hire a team is that as a PR agency, I I mean, yeah, it's hard to find people who will be in your business the same way that you will. But what I could do is I could find people who are great at PR. So my team is mostly people who are dealing with the client work and they are people who know PR. They know how to put together a PR strategy. They know how to put together the PR um, materials, like how to draft the things that we need to write, how to find the contacts to reach out to, how to form those relationships or they already have them, how to reach out to the people in a way to get a story secured. And that is what, at the end of the day, most of our client deliverables, you know, are around. So what I have done mostly is, hire a team who will get done most of the client work. And then I do still do more of the actual backend business stuff myself. So I think the reason that I have trouble, like almost, I almost feel like I can't like give advice for that. If, if it's a different type of business, like if you're like a one, one man show and you're looking to hire someone part-time to take off, take on like some of the tasks, but you can't hire someone to do the thing that you do because I know there are certain things like certain businesses that are different, like that are just different than that. Like if you are a, I don't know, maybe if you are an accountant and like you don't have client work you need help with, but you want someone to do the other stuff or, or like a photographer and you're the one who takes the pictures and you don't really need someone else to take the pictures, but you need someone to help with like the business or like help with other tasks that I think is actually a lot harder in many ways. But that being said, I also have an assistant and I have had a virtual assistant and an online business manager in the past. And so I have gotten pretty good at passing off some of those things too. I will say that personally, as much as I feel like so attached to everything in the business and like so much like responsibility for everything that goes into it, I'm actually pretty good at outsourcing. I think I'm actually pretty good at like letting someone else do things. I mean, I think it's about figuring out which things are the most helpful, which things are the easiest to like show someone to do or tell someone to do. Can you write it down quickly or explain it, you know, into a recording on your phone or your computer, or even like record a video of yourself doing it so that you can give it to somebody one time and just like, see if they can figure it out. I think one of the things too, to keep in mind is like, there are some really savvy people out there. I think so much of it is about hiring the right person. And when you have the right person, they can figure stuff out. They can figure out how to make your life easier. And for me, it's been more about hiring people who can figure out what to do and who might have better ideas on how to do something than I do. 
And I'm just a type of person, I think, who's like totally open to that. I'm like, here's what I want to get done. But if you can find a better way to do it or a faster way to do it or an easier way to do it, by all means do so. Because especially if I'm paying someone to do it, I'd rather you do it faster and better than I was going to do it. Um, But either way, like anyway, I just love like efficiency. So if somebody takes the initiative to figure something like that out, or they're like, I have some ideas or like, here's something we should look into. I love that. So you almost think going into it with the thought process being, can I find the perfect person to take some things off my plate and look for the person rather than the task? I actually think that can sometimes be helpful. And I feel like that's a little counterintuitive. I think that when you think about it, logically, you sort of are like, okay, I want to know exactly what I want someone to help me with and then find the person who's the expert at that. But I think when you're kind of getting started with taking things off your plate and you're getting started with like trusting someone to do things in your business, it actually can be helpful to think about it a little bit differently and look for the person, look for the person you're going to trust to have come into your business. And the person that you know, that seems like they're going to be able to figure things out and do things even better than you did. So that's something that I think is helpful. I think my main thing has just been finding really good people. Okay. So the last one is more on the PR side. Um, And this, they said, talk about the job search in the PR industry. What makes someone stand out? That's a good one. So it's interesting. Tons of people are looking for jobs. Tons of people are applying for jobs tons of people send a very general blanket application for jobs. In the PR industry specifically, you guys, it's about creativity. You have to know how to make yourself stand out because you have to know how to make your clients stand out in order to get them the coverage that you want. In order to get someone to write an article about your client, you need to be really like really creative and really specific and have good ideas and make those come across really quickly and easily and really well. And if you can't do that, nobody's going to write about your client. And so if you can't show that you can do that for yourself, like you're the ultimate and should be the easiest client you would ever have because you know yourself so much. So show that in your job search. (laughs) show the companies why you want to work for them and why you would be a great person for them to hire. A lot of people are not bothering to do that, at least that I'm seeing. So it's actually not as hard as you might think to stand out. And I know it's like not what we all thought. I mean, I remember applying for like so many internships when I was in college and thinking, oh my gosh, like, you know, out of all these people out here, like, why are they going to notice me? But I'll be honest, like there's only a handful of people who really stand out. Like when I actually look through the inbox of applications, so many people apply for a job they're not that qualified for, or that they don't have any experience in, or like not. And I don't mean like, I know everyone has to get experience somewhere and I'm actually all for offering those opportunities, but I mean, like literally someone who like, doesn't seem to be in the industry at all. Like they did not study communications. They did not ever have a job in PR and now they're applying for it. And just like not addressing that at all, like even in the cover letter or anything, like just totally blanket application that I'm like, did they even know we were a PR agency? I'm not sure because from their resume and their cover letter that are so general, I can't tell. So 
What makes someone stand out? Someone who takes the time to really personalize their application. Because again, that's what PR is all about. When you're pitching your client, you need to personalize it to who you're reaching out to. So if you can show me that you do that, at least for this, then that's like a really good sign. Show why you like the company. Show why us specifically. Again, that's so similar to when we pitch people for a publication. So think about what PR is about and try to actually use that. Consider yourself the client. Try to do something creative and that's going to catch our eye. You know, it's it's a creative industry. It's not like we're a graphic design firm or something like that, but you have to be creative. So when someone does have like a resume that looks interesting, that catches my eye. I get 95%, probably more, probably 98% of the resumes that I have seen recently are Times New Roman size 12 list down the page. Like I don't even look at that because if you haven't even thought to try a color or a font on your resume for a PR agency, then like you're literally not even trying to stand out. And I know that in some industries, they say to keep it very simple, keep it very basic, use Times New Roman. And I'm sure that's the case for many places, but that's again, just one more example that like, maybe you're not really trying to get a job in PR. Maybe you just kind of decided to send your resume to us too, because if you were really trying to get a job in PR, you probably wouldn't be following that like wherever you heard that advice. (laughs) Um, So yeah, keep, make it actually visually interesting. Make it catch my eye. Really easy ways to stand out for especially a small company like ours, personalize the letter. I am not the first person who looks at the hiring inbox. My assistant goes through the hiring inbox and only passes off the ones that I should see. And again, I would say 99%. Dear hiring manager, to whom it may concern, or my favorite, dear sir or madame, like if you've ever looked at anything on our website or social media, anything, you'll know like we don't have, there are no sirs here, like nothing against it and it's not intentional, but like they're just, we're a small agency and there are no men. So there's no reason to address something to sir. And if you haven't seen that, then like you haven't done any research whatsoever. But the best is to actually direct something to me because even if I'm not, even if it's going to the hiring email, not to me, the person who sees that is going to notice, you know, we're small enough that like she knows that I care if it it looks like it's addressed to me or if it looks like it's addressed to any of us. I got a great application recently from someone who addressed it to all three of us, like because there are three of us who are the kind of the main internal team at the agency and we're all on the website Someone addressed the email to all three of us, which I thought was really nice. They were like, you know what? It's a small team. They all probably have say in who gets hired and why not address it to all of them? And I thought that was so nice. Um, And that really did catch my eye. Another thing you can do again, like when I was applying for stuff, I thought this was so obvious. I assumed everyone was doing it, but almost no one does it. Follow us on LinkedIn, send a message to me on LinkedIn. Um, because again, it's just so obvious. If you look at anything that I'm like the face of this company and that I started this company and that I'm very hands-on in this company. So again, even if you're directed to email the hiring at quotablemediaco.com email, if you shoot a message to me on like LinkedIn and I can see your resume right there on LinkedIn and you say, I just want to let you know, I'm applying for this job. I'm really excited about it. Like that really stands out. 
And it happens so, so, so rarely. So I would say, again, we're just one company, but I have a feeling that if it's that rare for me to get this, people aren't doing it at many other companies either. So if you're looking for a PR job, find a way to follow up or not necessarily even follow up, but just like show that you're doing some research because that's so much of what the job is. I'm not saying necessarily to email like me personally. Sometimes people do that. It does catch my eye. It doesn't necessarily make me like them better because (laughs) there's a reason that I have the hiring email. And that's because my inbox is already so inundated that I don't want any extra emails. And you probably, if you don't email the hiring inbox, like it might not ever get seen. I mean, it will get seen, but like we don't go through it all the time. Like we go through the hiring inbox when we're looking to hire. So if your email, if you emailed me like two months ago and I glanced at it and then closed the email and forgot, it's not going to be there in the hiring inbox when we actually are looking through applications. So that's something to keep in mind. Follow the directions if they say how to, how to apply, but finding another way to get in touch or like to just show that you're there. So like my favorites, again, this is kind of personal, but my favorites are first of all, LinkedIn, because that's what it's for. And then something like following on Instagram and liking or commenting something on Instagram or messaging through Instagram, just because again, it's like a really way more personal way to kind of like make me see that you're looking into us and that you're actually interested in what we're doing. And then I guess I would say like, you could also do that personal email, which again, to me is not my personal favorite, but I think some people might like that, but yeah, just showing that you're actually like looking them up and interested in doing that research that we would be telling you to do. If you were working with us, like if you were, if you were my team member, I'd be telling you to do that for the writers that we're trying to get in touch with. So Those things are all to me bigger and better than anything else, because what it shows is that you actually have what it takes to do the kinds of things that we need to do, that you're not afraid to like reach out to somebody that you know how to do that research. And to me, that's more important even than like experience that you might have. I mean, I will say our, one of our new interns this semester, I actually think I posted about this on Instagram when she first applied instead of a cover letter, she wrote a press release on why we should hire her. And I was like, that is so creative. Nobody's ever done that before. And it just showed me like, oh, she actually knows how to like catch your eye. She obviously now I see also she knows how to write a press release. Like I didn't have to ask her for any writing samples, but just the fact that she took that initiative to do something different and to be creative and to find a way to make me really notice her email. Loved that. So I think if there's a way that you can be creative in a way that actually shows that you also have the skills, that is ideal. So those are some of the answers to questions people have sent in. I think that was really fun. So let me know if you have any other questions. We could always do one of these again um, before next year. You can always put questions on Instagram. You could add any other questions to this post when it, because it will go up on, there will be a post on Instagram. Um, You can always email questions. You can find the podcast on our website, quotablemediaco.com. And there's a form on there too, where you can always reach out with any questions, any suggestions, ideas, anything like that. We love to see that. And you can also join us on Facebook. I feel like I never mention these things, but um, you can join the female millennial entrepreneurs group on Facebook, which is the group that I kind of, or the Facebook group that goes along with the RIP in-person networking group that I mentioned at the very beginning, which was like part of the second answer. 
the answer to the second question, maybe, um, about the in-person networking group, which obviously is not in person right now, been online. That's why I said RIP. Um, but we are doing virtual events this year. We are planning an event for every month. That's kind of like a guest expert type of event. We might, we also do usually like coffee dates. We've done some virtual coffee meetups in the last couple of months, and we'll probably do some of those this year too. So you can always find us there. It is, since everything has gone virtual, we did open it up. So it's not Boston specific anymore. So you can always find us on Facebook at female millennial entrepreneurs. If you search that search groups and you can find us there and you can always ask more questions there too. And also just talk to everybody in there. So happy two years to the podcast. And I hope you guys have enjoyed listening along and being part of this. So thank you so much for still being here two years later. I guess I'll do a shameless plug again, since we're kind of talking about it. (laughs) If you have listened and you haven't left a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast, that is greatly appreciated because one thing we are working on this year is, or one thing I want to do this year is just work on the subscriptions for the podcast and get more people to hear it, get more people to listen, get more downloads, because that's the whole idea, right? Is to have people hearing everyone's stories. So, and the more reviews we have, the more it will get in front of more people. So please do that if you haven't before as your birthday gift to me, I would greatly appreciate it. And I think that's it. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes so other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at portablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing, join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.